Yeah. So I, I think I, I honestly think the Jays need to trade for bullpen help. Like if the season ended tomorrow, people would say, "Man, that was a really short season. Why did that end?" But Vlad would have won the triple crown. <laughs> When he was rehabbing in AAA, he tried it and he said it gave him the yips. Like he, he, he couldn't feel comfortable at all using it, so he won't touch it. And welcome to episode number 208 of Artificial Turf Wars, where one of us might be the best option for the seventh inning. Yes, it's been that kind of year. I am uh, your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the unflappable Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Good. I'm unflapped. Perfect. Uh, the Jays, they have been losing the series. Uh, probably squarely we're going to lay the blame on the bullpen, although I'm sure there are other reasons why they have been losing series. Uh, then somehow the ace, Hyunjin Ryu, has lost back-to-back games. We probably have to dig into that a little bit. However, Ross Stripling uh, has had a renaissance over the last couple of weeks, and it's only fair to talk about him as well. Vlad Jr., for a few bright, shining moments, and is possibly back doing it again, had all of the Triple Crown categories, because uh, in a traditional sense, they are important. Um, Bichio is back. Uh, we were going to tell you about Danny Jansen. Is he an automatic out? I don't know, but he's on the DL. And George I. Springer. IL. I do it every time. I even type it. Uh, and George Springer is totally coming back to a rehab time assignment very closely to soon. Uh, we have your questions. <laughs> we have the cliche of the week uh, where we will dig into one of those things that Buck and Tabby say that doesn't make any sense to keep saying over and over again. Uh, okay. Go into Houston. Can't win two out of three. Win one out of three. Go into Chicago. Win one out of three. Um, it's... It, it's tough, I think, because it seems like they're on the cusp of, of breaking out sometimes, but the offense has not made up for the sloppy pitching of late. Yeah, especially in that Chicago series. They just, I mean, in, in the first game, you know, like the, they had Rodon, they should have scored like eight runs off Rodon, and they got one. And then that was one of the ones where they just, like, they could not hold the one nothing lead. Ray finally gave up a home run to make it 1-1 in the seventh, and then the bullpen imploded. Uh, Ray was fantastic again, 13 strikeouts and no walks. It's like Robbie Ray's strike thrower is just a thing now, which is bizarre. Um, in the Houston series, it was more just like the starting pitching was terrible. Yeah, yeah, and and I think this is a team that leans so heavily on its lineup being productive in, in the overall that uh, – you really need them to just be like, oh, uh, the pitching doesn't have it tonight. We're gonna we're gonna figure out a way, an approach to score a whole bunch of crooked numbers. And I, and I know it's not it's something you decide or don't decide, but you know you you this team has to score more runs um, rather than looking to the pitching to to find it. I think and because we've seen this team when it's on scoring nine runs looks like a cakewalk. Um, especially with George Springer in the lineup. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. But, you know, they have the offense to 
be productive, especially at the top of the line. The bar, the, the bottom is very shaky. Uh, Biggio coming back could help that. Might, might not. Um, but you know, like when when these when the top of the lineup is not firing, they don't score. So the, the lineup depth will be improved for sure by returning players, especially if Kirk comes back at some point in the early July. But uh, you know, they, they they should still do better. Like like they got so many base runners against Rodon and got one run. Like that was just bad sequencing, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. But it wasn't runs. And then they didn't do much against Keuchel. Um, you know, they that lost that game too. Basically, Keuchel's best outing of the year too. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, is that on Dallas Keuchel or is that on the Blue Jays lineup? Yeah, they definitely scuffled against the White Sox. I mean, even in the second game of that series, Lance Lynn completely shut them down. Um, but Manoa <laughs> matched him, and then the the White Sox bullpen melted down along with their defense. And the White Sox bullpen, except for their two very back-end guys, the, I forget what the lefty's name is, um, and Liam Bummer? Hendricks. Yeah, probably. Um, oh, the, no, you're thinking of Crochet. Yeah, Crochet. Um, the, other than those two guys, the White Sox bullpen, you know, does not come with a great reputation. So it's like, okay, if you have the lead, you can probably expand the lead. But if you don't have the lead and they get to the seventh inning and they just have to get to their, you know, their two best relievers, you're probably similar to where the Jays were when they had Merriweather and Romano. It's going to be extremely difficult to figure out those last well, six outs. It was like what happened when they were facing Cleveland, right? When they blew that four nothing lead, it's like all of a sudden they can go to Class A and Karinchak and it's like, oh, crap. But when they can't <laughs> go to those guys, you know, you can add on runs and do whatever. It's like a very similar situation. Yeah. So a, a bullpen that has good anchors, but not good peripheral pieces. Good, good transition to the Jays bullpen. <laughs> What's an anchor, Josh? What are outs? What? <laughs> uh, when Alec Manoa left that game, I thought, man, they better score some runs because I do not understand how this bullpen gets 12 outs without giving up more runs. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> dicey right now. So... I, Romano can't hold runners ever, which is a problem. Like uh, when he comes in with a two run lead, you know, it's less of a problem, but still like in that game against that, they won against Chicago. He walked the leadoff man, which, you know, he has bouts of wildness, but he, it's not really his problem. And then Anderson immediately stole second and third <laughs> immediately. Yep. And it's just like, there's no challenge. And eventually that's going to hurt them again because he can't strike out everybody, um, but he's still safe. Like, I think that's his, like a flaw, but he's, I, he's had a great season and he's a great pitcher. And I trust Dolise more than maybe I should. The rest the, of the bullpen, that's, say, though, that's six outs, Josh, in, on a good night where neither of those guys was overused previously or for more than three outs. <laughs> yeah, like Mesa's having good moments up and down, and same with Castro, and Stripling was good his last time out, but I wouldn't say I trust anybody else right now. Strip now, now Chatwood could get that back for me because he was so good, and I and I believe he can get back to that. But I don't trust any of the other relievers at the moment, which is obviously a major issue and something that has to be addressed. Sorry, you said Stripling. Did you mean Castro? No, I meant to say Chatwood. Uh, Chatwood, okay. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I don't think Chad was a lost, lost cause. Looking at Stripling's performance oh. as I was talking there. <laughs> um, I don't think Chad was is, is a lost cause, but it, it's this 
you know, he's going to take some time to get the trust back to put him back in a tie game, you know, in the eighth inning um, when you know he might walk the planet. Yeah, but the Blue Jays need, they need an arm that, that is just there. Uh, the, the Ryan Barucki absence, the Julian Merriweather absence, the well, obviously the Kirby Yates absence has been ongoing, but but we've whittled our way down to Carl Edwards Jr. And it turns out that although he does fit the Blue Jays profile of a uh, guy who once was something uh, who might get it back, it doesn't, you know, the, the timeline on that is not looking great. Yeah. Yeah, the, the injuries have been obviously a huge problem. You know, losing Phelps for the whole season, that was bad. Uh, but the Barucki Merriweather ones were especially damaging because they were not supposed to be as long-term and have turned into long-term. Yeah. So I I think, I, I honestly think the Jays need to trade for bullpen help. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and I would not normally be saying that in June. <laughs> but... Unlike trying to trade for like a third baseman at this stage of the season, someone is probably willing to give up a decent bullpen piece if you can offer them something. Um, because there's lots of bullpen pieces out there. But yeah, so we'll, we'll see if that, that comes to fruition sooner rather than later, or it turns out we're not in charge of the Jays and they just roll with what they have for the time being. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, so back to the starting rotation, you alluded to the difficulties with... with Starting in um, uh, Houston. Houston. Uh, yeah, Hyunjin Ryu has had... Now, th they have not been horrible starts. I don't want to well, make it Houston sound... the Houston one was pretty bad. But I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, Hyunjin Ryu has lost it. Because, I mean, three runs in one inning in the first and then recovering on, what was it, Thursday night? Or Yeah. Yeah. That, that should not be an insurmountable problem. Three also, runs. <laughs> it should not have been three runs because Lourdes Goriel does not know how to play the outfield. He can throw it really well. He just can't catch it. Yeah. The beginning so, should have been over, but he turned it into a double instead. Uh, sometimes free doubles because we got those from Chicago for most of the series. Well, we got free singles mostly from Chicago. From my understanding, In the second but, game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I don't want to make it sound like he's lost it, but, but it is really tough. To have two games where your your ace cannot get you, you know, to a tie uh, or better um, by the time he departs the game. Yeah, I mean, the Jays account on have counted on Ryu so much to be the guy that stops losing streaks, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even when he is not at his best, he's usually doing a really good job to keep you in games. And like you said, he did that in that second game. Three runs of which only one should have really scored, which was the home run, in the, which would have been in the second inning. Uh, you know, over six innings, fine. The game before that, giving up seven and five and two thirds, it's just a blip. It happens. You walk three guys for the first time all season. I throw that one out. It happens, as, as we said. The issue, he's, he's not striking people out his last couple starts as much, and he has had a small dip in velocity. I think he could probably use an extra day off maybe just to... You know, or maybe not, not day not off. He keeps having six days. Uh, but it's not unusual for Ryu to to show evidence of fatigue um, at some point. Like no. he's never been a two hundred inning pitcher. Maybe he uh, no. He tightens. Oh god, <laughs> we're just talking over one another. <laughs> yeah, but I was just trying to follow that thought. Like he's not throwing a ton of pitches though. He's only gone over a hundred pitches once all season. So it's not like. 
it's not like he's really, you know, having strenuous outings. I, I, I think it's just, you know, he's he has this high, like it happened to him last year too, right? Where he just like, there was a few starts where his velocity just disappeared. I just think that's who he is. Fair enough. Um, and, and when I say disappeared, it's like goes down to 89 from 90. Like it's not like, <laughs> it's like he goes to 84. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's not injury type velocity drops. It's, uh, again, it, it seems like more like fatigue than whatever Ryan Barucki had. Um, that said, I think in April we would have thought Hyunjin Ryu not being you know good in the um, in the rotation would be a huge problem, and it turns out that the rest of the rotation has has shockingly even with Ross Stripling rounded into what looks like a major league rotation. Yeah, um, I think he still probably should be limited to not facing hitters too many times the third time because he's <laughs> running into problems in the sixth inning in this Red Sox game, but. He's been really, really good. And a lot of it he owes to this change where he's basically just holding his hands a little closer to his body, which creates that little bit of extra deception. Uh, yeah, they were talking about he thought he was tipping pitches, maybe, with that um, that other uh, wind-up wind or you know, set position. I, whatever, his control has been better and his deception has been better. So between the two... Really good. And then, like you said, Robbie Ray had an astoundingly good outing. Um, Steven Matz continues to get screwed at the worst of times, but that, I think, is just Steven Matz. <laughs> but that's four pitchers who I would not have trouble starting in a playoff game. Well, and Alec Manoa was great in his second time out. Third time uh, out. Third time. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I felt like he got a great result. I still feel like he should be given given the ridiculous strikeout numbers in triple a and i understand this is the majors i was probably expecting more swing and miss stuff from alec manoa just me personally yeah i don't think that's unfair um you know he's he's getting enough strikeouts but he's not overpowering guys and I, I guess in that sense i think that he, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's partially, it's more so his location than it is his stuff necessarily. And, you know, cause he, like you can see like when he throws a good slider, it's, it's a good slider and he throws 95, 90 to 97. And he did get 12 swinging strikes in that game against the White Sox. So like it, it was still good, but it may be just not the dominance you're expecting. Yeah. Some, some of those sliders were in an uncomfortably belt high type position where they finished off. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the funny things about Manoa's sliders that sometimes it'll just go sideways instead of down. And that's actually one of the things I was a little worried about when it came to Manoa, maybe not worried necessarily, but wondering about from watching him in spring training and watching him in the minors is that he does have a lot of just Frisbee-ish sliders that's I suppose the ones that go hard down in a way. And I was right. curious how that would impact his ability to get major league hitters out. Now, obviously, he didn't have a problem getting outs in that last game, but I, it is something to watch going forward. Um, so let's move on to, I think, everybody's favorite player, probably, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who was very carefully perched across, across all gems of the Triple Crown at one point last week, which nobody in Blue Jays PR wanted us to forget. Like, if the season ended tomorrow, people would say, man, that was a really short season. Why did that end? But Vlad would have won the triple <laughs> crown. 
Um, it is quite the accomplishment. And it, it to me, it's really funny because the, the comp has always been Miguel Cabrera. Right? Third baseman is probably too big for the position. Incredible right-handed hitter with, with generational talent. Uh, and surprise, surprise, uh, he won the Triple Crown as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> so right now, Vlad is leading in all three categories. Oh, he's still there. He has because okay. he had a home run tonight, right? Yes. Yeah, so, well, he was always he was still he was still leading. Now he's just alone in the lead. But uh, he's six points up on Yuli Gurriel in batting average. He is one point uh, one home run up on the lead with nineteen because he hit that monster monster home run. And he's got a two two RBI lead, I believe. The Blue Jays have placed Chatwood, Tyler Chatwood, by the way, as we're talking, if I seem distracted, in a in a two-man-on situation, which he probably turned into a base loaded situation with a hit-by-pitch. So, Yeah, uh, he hit the first batter. And then he almost hit the second batter with the first pitch. Okay, focus on Vlad Guerrero Jr., awesomeness uh, unabated. Uh, you know, he, he continues to look like the best hitter of this generation, potentially, and you're looking at a best pure hitter, and you're looking at, at a a crop that includes some really, really good hitters in Tatis and Soto and obviously Mike Trout in, in the prior generation. That's wild. That's like, I mean, since Carlos Delgado, have the Blue Jays had anybody who offensively looked like, at this age, looked like they would, would go on to be this good? Ooh, jeez. Because Jose Bautista is a different category, right? Jose Bautista is a whole... And he wasn't this age, right? They got him yeah, in 28. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Laurie obviously had that great debut, and he looked like he could be a really good hitter, but I don't think anyone thought this. No. So, no, so, I think that, I mean, he's there's a reason that he was the number one prospect in the game, and the first guy to get an 80-hit tool for at least a decade from Baseball America... You know, and considered one of the best prospects. So, like some of others, like at the time, was like he was the best prospect I've ever seen, or the best prospect I've seen since A Rod, or something. You know, things like that's yeah. the kind of things people were saying about him. Yeah, and we're seeing why. Yeah, so keep tuning in for those Vladid bats, folks. Uh, the DL continues to shift and shuffle around. Uh, the IL, the IL, man, stamp a big I on my forehead. The IL continues to <laughs> shuffle around. Um, not a third eye, not like that kind of eye, different. Um, and Kevin Biggio has returned to continue getting on base, which will make Blue Jays bat boy very, very happy, but he's probably going to do it somewhere down around, uh, seventh, eighth in the lineup now. Yeah, I think that's kind of where he belongs, uh, at least for the moment, let him take walks and get the lineup moving at the bottom a little better so he can get back to the top. But you can't move any of Semyon. Well, you're not going to move Bichette, but Semyon, Bichette, Guerrero, Teoscar, and Grichuk right now, I think that would just be crazy. Yep, exactly. And um, Chatwood just walked in a run. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that <laughs> this is my not surprised face, everybody. Take a look. <clears throat> uh Taking Biggio's place, not quite timing it right, but taking his place effectively on the DL is uh, our favorite, uh, not quite an automatic out, Danny Jensen. Uh, before he 
uh, hurt his hamstring. I believe his hamstring. Yes. Yes. Uh, he did manage a couple four plate appearances. Um, and I have not looked at the results of those plate appearances. I am going to say because he got hurt, I would assume he got hurt running somewhere. Ergo, he was not an automatic out. That is, in fact, what happened. Because <laughs> he was two for four. Oh, my God. We were we were reaching the highest heights. He had a 500 on base. He was <laughs> equally likely to be an automatic hit as he was an automatic out. Oh, uh, man. That's like Tyler Chatwood in the pitching side. Equal, equal to be an automatic walk. Versus not about to go. Well, congratulations, Danny Jansen. You left uh, to the DL on a high note. We hope you're back soon. Because, um, wow, Austin Riley and and Reese McGuire was not the catching duo we envisioned on opening day. <laughs> um, why am I watching? I just swore. I'm sorry about that. Why am I watching? Why am I watching Tyler Chatwood? He just threw a wild pitch to allow a run in. Okay. Um, Good. So it's 5-4. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not going very well in case anyone was paying attention. And I assume you meant Riley Adams, by the way. Austin Riley's the third baseman for the Braves. Dang it. That's how much yes. I care about about uh the pitching the 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 tandem we have at the moment. Uh Yeah. I mean, I think Riley Adams is actually pretty good and I'm kind of happy that he's here. I think he's a better hitter than than Reese McGuire for sure. And maybe Danny Jansen right now. I mean, obviously Danny Jansen's injured, so definitely right now, but <laughs> uh, he, Riley Adams having a monster season at AAA. So I don't know. I, I'd like to see what he could do. Sure. Um, but is he, is, who is going to get the majority of the plate appearances here? Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be initially a timeshare, but I could see, I could see Adams taking the job. Right. I will book it. Uh, the other thing I will not book is my uh, tickets to see George Springer's rehab assignment. But I might be missing out. I might. I might be pessimistic, and there might be a re there might be a rehab assignment even as as soon as quote unquote this weekend. I believe someone said. Yeah, uh, he's. He looks like it seems like they're like any day now. Like he could take that last step, and they feel he could. Or that first step. They, or have his legs entirely replaced. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Uh, I mean, when he finally does get back on the field, I, I hope all of this has been done in the service of him being 100% healthy. I, and I have to think that it would. I mean, this is not the kind of injury you'd think would take this long to heal. And when you see him running the bases and running and sprinting in the, you know, doing, doing sprints in the field, you know, before games and such, You'd think that that should be enough to get someone taking rehab games to get back on the field. But as you said, like they're trying to make sure he is not going back on the IL. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think that brings us up to speed on the week that was. Uh, we probably should have reserved a whole section for Tyler Chatwood hate, but we um, we missed our opportunity there. So we're going to come back next week with Tyler Chatwood hate, but in about 15 seconds, we are going to come back with uh, your questions. Maybe, maybe they'll be about the bullpen and what we can do to fix it. We'll be right back.
we have returned refreshed because Tyler Chatwood is uh, in the showers right now. And we're all happy about that. And we're also happy about the fact that you guys give us questions every week, which we respond to after we play this thing. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? And our first question comes from Marks Burley at Trillimo Pena, which is two throwback sort of things all blended up in one confused personality. Um, question. Which Blue Jays pitchers are most likely to have a sudden, entirely coincidental, and completely inexplicable drop in performance if the league really does start cracking down on foreign substances? Ah, uh, sticky stuff, Josh. And how much it helps pitchers. Specific pitchers, apparently. Do you have a do you have so, a suspicious name for us? Maybe Tyler Chatwood stopped using it early. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, did he just like go in the complete tank and turn right back into the pumpkin? Like we're talking about Gritchick turning back into a pumpkin. <laughs> like Tyler Chatwood was the Cinderella who like was the care the beautiful carriage for six weeks that turned back into the pumpkin that he was with the Cubs. Uh, yeah, even even when Randall Grichik was a pumpkin, you could still kind of roll him down the road, and you could you know you could maybe make him do a yeah, jack o' lantern or something. You know, <laughs> he just turned into a slightly dis you know like dilapidated <laughs> carriage. Like it still worked, it just wasn't pretty. Chatwood's a pumpkin. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but not you. Surely there's someone else other than Chatwood. Yeah. So one of the interesting ones is Robbie Ray, who Robbie Ray has been very good. And last year, in his worst season ever, his spin rate increased by an average of 200 RPM. This year, it's dropped back by 150. So maybe his secret was he was he was gripping the ball too much and creating too much spin so he couldn't throw strikes. I wonder, honestly, if some guys have tried, you know, some sticky whatever, tacky this or, or that, and have had that result, that... Um, the the way that they are used to delivering pitches um, does not mesh well with with their control when they're sticking to the ball longer. Yeah, well, Jamison Tyone, who's on the Yankees now, when he was rehabbing in AAA, he tried it and he said it gave him the yips. Like he 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 couldn't feel comfortable at all using it, so he won't touch it. Right, and, and I mean that's again that's not saying he won't put pine tar you know, on his fingers or, or, or whatever else, but, but he, he's not trying to glue himself to the ball. So that, that, you know, that would be a really hilarious explanation for Robbie Ray's worst control season ever with better spin rate and returning to this. Now, why he doesn't walk people anymore, I don't know. But if you had, had placed a prop bet for a 13 strikeout, no walk performance from Robbie Ray in 2021 at the beginning of the season, you could have made some serious money. Uh, Kevin Chase at uh, Kevin Chase 4. Josh has been called up. Oh, congratulations, Josh. I heard. Uh, I didn't hear until now that you'd been called up uh, to the bullpen. Hey, we said at the top we were the best options for the seventh <laughs> inning. It turns out it, it already happened. Uh, oh, on an emergency basis. Just, just for a little bit. So some quick questions. Do you work solely out of the stretch? Do you work slower than Rafael Dolis? I don't think so. What will Buck <laughs> have to say when Josh is warming up? Uh... I'm sure your height is going to come up. He'll say, who is this guy? <laughs> Where <laughs> did let, he come from? Who let him in here? 36 year old amateurs into the big leagues. 
I say things like, I don't think he's going to last long throwing 80 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Do you work slow? I don't. um, I don't say I would say I work super fast, but I'm not slow. Like I'm usually waiting for the sign as opposed to having the sign wait for me. All right. And uh, do you um, work solely out of the stretch? No. I, well, no. I actually have. On, on Sometimes when I'm just not feeling comfortable, I'll just throw from the stretch. But usually I throw from the full. Cool. Uh, L at Ellie Ellie Hart. Some of my favorite questions come from L. Uh, how atrophied should my brain be after listening to Buck talk about pitch framing? Is it terminal? Is there a cure? Was this after Buck said how much he didn't like pitch framing and then apparently immediately switched to praising the framing of whichever catcher he was talking about. Sounds like, correct. Like he was two places at once. Um, yes, that was the original. So <laughs> I worded the question in a way that confused me initially. So I had to reword it. And I think that's what exactly what she was saying. Uh, yeah. Is it terminal? If you are still listening to Buck Martinez in June, I'm afraid there's no hope for you anymore. You've, uh, you passed beyond and and you know good luck to you in in your the next phase of your existence um <laughs> i i don't know how people listen for six months i really don't they do mean well uh, i i don't i it's not it's just not something you can do <laughs> it's too hard <laughs> Um, now that they've stopped, you know, really giving the score on the radio and that it's, it's, uh, well not stop, but now that they don't give the score on the radio, it's even more difficult to listen to because you're not even getting that basic information out of them. So I'm, I'm not sure what the fix is there. Um, but the fix certainly is not the cliche of the week. Man, what a cliche. I thought writers hated cliches. Uh, baseball announcers love them. And I think it, it came to me, someone was was asking about, someone asking about cliches? Or were you asking about cliches but last week? I think it was me. I think it was you. And um, I didn't have anything off the top of my head, but then I was actually listening for a couple of innings last uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoon game. And lo and behold, completely unprompted, Pat Tabler went, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the shadows. <laughs> I was like... But no one asked. Nobody literally asked about the shadows. Um, and yet, every time there is a late afternoon game in outdoors, it, it is necessary to mention the fact that shadows could potentially have an effect on the pitching and batter part of a baseball game. Uh, apparently, no one has ever thought of this or understood its effects, except baseball announcers. How does that work, Josh? <laughs> They're just a magical special breed. That they, they just see the game better than the rest of us. Or don't see it through the shadows. <laughs> I do have a theory about why it gets brought up so much. Is because overwhelmingly the 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 color guys on on television are pitchers or are not pitchers they're batters former major league batters in most cases um and they are rarely hall of fame caliber ones so they already want you to feel that hitting is very very difficult because they were they were right on the borderline of being major league quality at it in a lot of cases uh and then they like to point out when it gets even more difficult so you empathize with them that's my theory 
And what what better time than when the ball is passing from the light bright into the dark shadowy area to to empathize with the difficulty of tracking a ball that changes colors on its way. Yeah, I think that's a good theory. I wonder if we should listen to see if like Ron Darling does that. I wonder if Ron Darling would be like, and now the best part of the game is when the shadows come in and you can fool, <laughs> you can fool way more hitters with your breaking stuff. Um, that would, yeah. Or David Cohn. David Cohn would know. Those are the only two. Smoltz would never, would never uh, actually be honest with us. I don't think. And Eckersley would, would just complain about something. <laughs> yeah. Just him. Hey, Eck, do the, sh- do the shadows help you as a pitcher? I hate the way these young players are these days. Which is, it'd be like when you ask Doug Ford about something, he just says the border. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that is our cliche of the week is the shadows. So if you see a shadow, wave at it, uh, say hi, and uh, let him know you appreciate his, contrib- his or her contribution to um, baseball. Because where would we be in the late afternoon without the shadows? Oh, goodness me. Um, what what else haveth we? That's that's it for, I think, today. That is a, you know, when they lose the majority of their games, it is a short week for you and I. Uh, so do you have a final thought? Yeah, so this uh, my this relates to the issues with the bullpen and some of the depth in the lineup and everything. The trade deadline is obviously not for another month and a bit. But it should be really interesting to see the Jays and their willingness to make certain moves because guys that people thought would be in play are just having incredible starts to the season. The Gabriel Moreno is getting might be the best prospect in the system to discussions and you know, and Otto, Otto Lopez is having a great start to the season down there. So I, I'm very curious to see the willingness of this club to trade some of their better pieces. Like they've been willing to trade from the depths of the system. We saw that last year uh, and we saw it previously with, with other trades like for young Hervis Solarte and things like that. But we haven't seen them trade from the top of the system and they might need to do that to get the kind of pieces that will really push them over the edge. So I think that might have to start soon if they're going to get them address this pitching staff. I don't think they can wait a month. Well, I think the sell high problem, and now that you bring it up, is an interesting problem to have because presumably one or more of your hot starts is just that, is a hot start. And in fact, the true talent level is lower. And do you know as an organization which which of your prospects is most likely to be having the fluke that you can sell high and and not give up that much versus um versus actually giving away the prospect who has turned a corner in some way yeah i mean the guys we're talking about uh, you know or that i'm talking about are the guys that they're well regarded to begin with so I think it's more whether they're willing to trade a Groshans or a Moreno or an Arelvis Martinez or a Simeon Woods Richardson or something like that when they have shown no willingness to do that in the past. But but are and, you trading those? But this situation you, hasn't hasn't dictated that either. Yeah, but are you are you willing to trade one of those guys because you think you have four legit major leaguers out of you know five guys or whatever, or are you willing to trade those guys just because you you need to get um, 
you need to get the pieces to win now. Like you just figure it's get the pieces to win now, regardless, whatever they cost. I don't know, but whatever they cost, I think it's just more if, if, if you can under like if you're going to willing to pay the prices to get the top pieces, right? That's more what it comes down to. Like there was no top piece last year that was moving because everybody made the playoffs, but you know, are they going to be willing to pay up for a Max Scherzer type or a Chris Bryant type? If somehow the Cubs go in the tank, which I don't see happening. So I don't think he's going to get traded, but someone of that ilk or Trevor story or something like that. That would be wild. Uh, there's your third baseman. Um, yeah. Well, we shall see. Do Do I have a final thought? My final thought is is, uh, please, don't don't put title chat within into any important situations anymore. Just just for mine and Josh's heart, and then I have to edit the profanity out of the podcast and everything else. So it's just a personal plea to Charlie Montoyo. You know, maybe he's a fan. I don't know. Um, actually, second thing. Blue Jays did reach the 85% vaccinated threshold this week, did they not? They did. So now we can see how how tense Charlie Montoyo really is because he's not wearing his mask anymore. <laughs> oh my God, you you can actually see the difference. They showed to him, they they cut to him when Chatwood was melting down again, and the look on his face is just like, what do I, what did I do to deserve this? But, <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, by the way, if they got Story and put him at third. It would mean that their best shortstop is playing third, their second best shortstop is playing second, and their worst shortstop is playing short. <laughs> All in service of the future, Josh. <laughs> uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wazuski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 208, and we'll talk at you next week. <laughs>